What's up, y'all? It's Jeff Cobb, and you're listening to Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show on Social Suplex Podcast Network. You're listening to the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show. Listener discretion is advised at all times. And thank you once again for downloading and listening to another episode of the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show, part of the Social Suplex Podcast Network. My name is Clive and I am joined by Ricky. Good evening, sir. Good evening. Good evening. Uh, later on tonight, we will be joined, hopefully, by Rance Morris to discuss in a bit more detail some NXT TakeOver Portland. But to start the show, we've got a rather interesting guest, to say the least, and this, this wee plug has been stolen shamelessly from the Sportskeeda website. Uh, our guest is a freelance reporter who has interviewed the likes of Triple H, Stephanie McMahon, Chris Jericho, Kurt Angle, Andrade Almas, Nikki Cross, Tyson Fury, uh, and this past week, NXT Women's Champion Rhea Ripley. He also creates video content for BBC, and his work has been sourced by Fox, CNN, NBC, MSN and Bleacher Report and TalkSport. He is also featured in an official trailer for the fantastic Total Divas. <laughs> um, but more recently, he's ended up in the centre of some pretty controversial topics and his name sort of rose to infamy, shall we say, when he asked Triple H about Paige potentially returning to the ring where then a tasteless joke was made and the whole thing grew more arms and legs than the Dark Order, basically. So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. Sports Kidders, Gary Cassidy. Gary, thanks very much for coming on. Thanks for having me on, and thanks for the introduction. That, um, when you chuck my name next to a, a load of their names, I'm like, ah, that's quite nice. That's, uh, it means that mine can fall into the background a wee bit. <laughs> oh. it's, it's definitely, it's quite a list of accomplishments. I well, um, it's, it's just been, it's one of the things that, like, if I look back to two years ago, I started writing about wrestling about maybe two, two years and a couple of months ago, and Jeez. I hadn't interviewed any wrestlers, so it's been a lot in a short space of time. Um, so I've had a lot, of, a lot of good opportunities. So it's the kind of thing I'm, I'm very grateful for it. Excellent. So we know that you're a bit strapped for time tonight. So what we'll do is we'll just fire some questions at you and just sort of let the conversation take its natural course. Feel free. I, I'll mm. try and answer absolutely anything as best as I can. Good stuff, Ricky. Do you want to start us off? Yeah, I'll start us off. I'll start us off. I just want to add to that introduction. Um, we should have put the end of it, aka a, a pretty big fucking deal. No, so obviously like you said you've been at Sportskeeda for a, for a couple of years now. Um, at first, you were doing you were publishing opinion pieces. Uh, I want to say, am I right in saying that? And if that is the case. Um, when did you start to transition from that to kind of reporting on wrestlers, uh, reporting on wrestling and, and interviewing wrestlers as well? I so as a bit of a weird one. Like I still do the odd opinion piece, but they've obviously kind of fallen by the wayside when I've been doing more interviews and stuff, just because they're a bit less a priority. Um, it's actually a weird one, so I'll, I'll try and keep this bit short. Um, I studied journalism uh, when I was at university and ended up like. Uh, 
I'd done a wee bit of news journalism here in Glasgow uh, and realised very quickly it wasn't something I wanted to do. Uh, it was like shadowing kind of court cases and stuff. So like I'd done a wee bit of music journalism after that, after a bit of fun, and then just fell away from it completely for years. And then it was a couple of years ago, um, just started writing for Sportskeeda. Weirdly enough, the first ever article I wrote, I was like half uh, wrestling, half football journalism with him. So the first ever article I wrote was a photo of John Cena holding a Spurs top went up. <laughs> uh, and I was like, okay, I'll chuck a wee news article about that. And then um, they were like, your work's quite good, we'll bring you into the team. But again, like I said, I started that in like December a few years ago, and then it wasn't until my very first interview was the April, uh, and that was one of the ones I'm going, I'm quite enjoying this, writing about wrestling, writing all my opinion pieces and writing odd news piece. Um, So what actually happened was Elias had done an interview with Guitar World, I think it was, it was one of the guitar magazines, and I covered it, like obviously quoted... um, I've credited them when I used the quotes and I got a wee message for the person that had wrote the article essentially thanking me for, for covering it um, because they get quite a bit of, quite a bit of um, fame for, for us covering it because it was a wrestling website and mm-hmm. covering a wrestler but they'd done it for a guitar magazine obviously and they're like oh if you want me to hook you up with anybody um, and I was just like oh, that's one of the things everybody says it but it never comes to any fruition um, and it ended up they were like oh we can hook you up with either uh, DDP or Jim Ross now that's I really will be nice. Um, so my first ever interview with a wrestler was with Diamond Dallas Page, which I was like, right, it can only go downhill for here because I'm never going to interview anybody as big as Diamond Dallas Page. That's crazy. And, and now, it's, now it's been quite uh, good. So like this month or ever since the start of this year, I, all the articles I've written, I think two have maybe been interviews or exclusives. But I still do the odd wee opinion piece. But I, it's been it's a wee bit of a change because. Sometimes you feel like, is it like an interview on maybe the, the more I'm posting on Twitter and stuff, you maybe can't put as much opinion in because some people get really upset by it. Uh-huh. But I agree with that change. <laughs> so see, with regards to the journalism side of things, I'm, I don't think Ricky is a strong about, feels as strongly about this, but I am personally very sceptical when reading these scoops from journalists. And I know from a recent tweet from yourself that you... You don't like to be identified necessarily as a journalist. Um, how would is that is that so you is that so you would distinguish yourself from those that just post the clickbait articles like your Ringside News and Pro Wrestling Stream and all that stuff? I so as the kind of thing I hate like burying other quote unquote journalists, um, but it's like one thing where I'm like. I never ever wanted to call myself a journalist at the start to begin with, anyway, because I'm like I'm just a wrestling fan that like is alright at writing, so I'm quite quite happy just like being like a wrestling fan that writes. And then obviously now with interviews and stuff, you kind of need to tag the journalist bit onto the end of it. But for me, I, I I prefer to say like I know it's not the main thing, but I'd say I'm like a wrestling interviewer because that is the thing I really enjoy doing. And thankfully, I've been able to add enough names to kind of credibly call myself that. Oh, definitely. Like, I've only done one interview. Um, but it is kind of... So, when I first started writing for Sports Gear, um, I make no bones about this, Sports Gear had a really bad reputation. Oh, right. um, due to a, a previous writer that worked there, who I, I won't say the name, but it was in Big Brother in the UK, so a lot of people might actually know who he is if they Google him. Um, but he put out some very controversial tweets, ended up getting sacked for Sports Gear, and, and that was sort of like about six months before I came in. But my thing was always... I don't pretend to have sources. I will never pretend to have sources. Yeah. Um, the only time I've ever put out an exclusive and not attached the name of the person that has told me the, the news um, was back when um, 
Luke Harper, Sin Cara and the Ascension all got released. Mm-hmm. And essentially I reached out to one of those names um, just because I'd spoken to them before. And the name will come out eventually because I'm going to interview them uh, in a couple of weeks. And oh, it's no, I've not got the date planned, but it's definitely going to happen in the next few weeks. And they said that they'd rather not have their name attached to the quote that I put out because it was so soon. And I'm like, that's fine, as long as I can narrow it down to their four names. And that's the only time I've ever had an anonymous source uh, in quotes. Uh, but that's, like I always uh-huh. say, if I reach out to a venue, I'll always say if a spokesman at the venue, I'll never say backstage sources or anything like that. So I think I'm, I'm with you. I'm very sceptical. I'm a wrestling journalist. My main thing, and I've put a tweet about this in the past couple of days, and it's something I'll always stand by, See, anybody, no matter who you are, if you're a wrestling fan, if you're a journalist, if you're a, an outlet, see if you say rumours are suggesting or you quote any rumour, make sure you put the name of who the rumours came from mm-hmm. because some rumours, the second you get the name of who it's came from, it's not even worth discussing. Um, the, the most recent one you mentioned there, like Ringside News, and again, I don't like burying anybody, but they put out um, quite a lot of work for a guy called Brad Shepard, who I used to talk to like a, a long him? time ago, um, and again, I had nothing against the guy, apart from the fact that I was very sceptical of his opinions and, and of his uh, sources as well. I've got nothing against, well, I don't want to say I've got nothing against the guy, but I don't really spend time kind of talking about him, but he blocked me randomly and did so with the, the, the same as arrest of uh, wrestling reporters and quotes. And it's the kind of thing where you go, names like that, if something comes out, I always say there's maybe five names that I will believe almost anything that comes out of their mouth and, and this I never normally like assign credit to any specific journalist apart from like a few names but if you read something for Alex McCarthy at Sport, if you read something yep. for Sean Ross Sat, if you read something for Ryan yep. Satin those are the three guys in the main that if I'm checking out something if one of them verifies it I'm probably going to believe it because they are legitimate Everybody else, I think there should be a little bit of scepticism in anybody's mind. And all you can do is have a quick Google, look and see what they've reported. If stuff has came to fruition and they've been the first source, then it's quite easy to say, aye, they're legitimate. Because uh-huh. I didn't even realise it was Brad Shepard that did that ringside news stuff. But So it doesn't, um, I'll, I'll say that just to, just to clarify that. He's technically, if we go black and white, he's nothing to do with ringside news but they are one of the only sites who report on what he reports now. Ah, right, yeah. And they do have an affiliation, but he's not, he's not an employee of theirs. That's fair yeah. enough. Uh, you you know, know, it's funny that you brought up that tweet that you made. Um, I think it was like, like, was it like seven or eight days ago about the journalism and you should be, you should whoever started the rumour, you should post it alongside it. Uh, just a quick follow-up question because I took a screenshot of that tweet because I was like, I want to ask him something related to that. Do you not think then, if so for instance, if someone comes to yourself, whether it be a WWE employee or a wrestler directly comes to you and says, this is how I'm feeling or this is potentially what's going to be six months down the line, this is what's going to happen at SummerSlam or WrestleMania, if you were to put that out there and you quoted saying... I got this information directly from Paul Heyman, for instance. Do you not think maybe that could, as a journalist, journalist, I know, like you say, you don't identify yourself as a journalist, but do you not think maybe that could harm the relationship that maybe someone's putting something out there that that the other person doesn't want out there? But does that Aye. maybe tie back into the fact you say, well, I won't quote someone unless they kind of give me permission to do so? 
Aye, so that's the kind of thing. Again, I've no run into that yet, but I'm aware that that could be something that does happen down the line. And also just the fact that if, say for instance, I became pals with somebody that worked in WWE but wasn't like a prominent name that somebody knew, then I might actually need to eventually backtrack on that. But I do feel like, and again, I don't want to, this sounds like I'm going to put myself over, but see if I was to put a tweet that said maybe I'm, a backstage source no that I really don't want to do that but if I was to do that I think because I've interviewed that many people people might realise that I wouldn't really I wouldn't put out a fault like a false rumour to try and say something because it might harm my relationship with WWE and getting interviews and stuff like that so I think it's a case of building up credibility before they can do stuff like that because like I said Alex McCarthy he'll, he'll say stuff and it comes from a source and they've only named the source um, so it is kind of the, the rumour thing was more based on, say, I say, rumours suggest that Hulk Hogan is going to wrestle at WrestleMania. Then yep. I should say if that has come direct from me or from whatever sources, or say if it's came from, say, your ringside news or any other website, just so that the accountability is on the, the first person. Because if I say that rumour, then I'm accountable for it, but yep. people don't actually hold people to account. So people will just believe any rumour they read. Um, but I, that is a very good point you make about the, if Paul Heyman was to say, say something to me. So just what I would do in that scenario is I would ask, we'll say Paul Heyman. I just want to clarify I'm no pals with Paul Heyman. I wish not I yet. was. Uh, not yet, anyway. Say, no, definitely. I, he's one that's on the dream list interviews. Um, but say he was to say something to me, I would clear it first. One, am I okay to put this information out there? Um, and then if he said I, I would say two, am I okay to attribute it to you? Or do I need to say it's from an anonymous source? And if, if it wasn't a latter, then it would depend for me. If it came from Paul Heyman, I would be inclined to put it out there as fact because I can say that he's probably a credible source. <laughs> but if it was, we say, an employee of WWE, I would try and verify it from a second and most likely a third source. Um, and then you're just kind of covering your bases because things have happened with reputable journalists who have got things covered by say three sources and then the WWE superstar they've been talking about has came out and refuted the claims and obviously that no matter how many sources you get it verified by and even if it's true as soon as the person that it's about refutes it then it's the lost or credibility that sounds like um, Ryan Satin reporting on Sasha Banks you're spot on there Andy. Um, and again he, he he spoke about it on the Chris Van Leet um, interview and again kind of he said that he's quite happy to leave it behind him and obviously a lot of people still hold it against him but he said that that completely changed the way that he reports on stuff and that is the kind of thing where I'm going, no matter if he is, he could be telling 100% the truth and that could have happened but the second that's been refuted by a WWE superstar, you kind of just need to take it as, take it as false. That's, <laughs> it. that's it. Um, my next question, and you actually, again, you mentioned something right there, Not whole, people not being held accountable to said rumours starting. You, you mentioned the likes of Sean Ross Sapp. Sean Ross Sapp is personally one guy I would also trust. Um, you mentioned uh, Alex McCarthy, Ryan Satin. In your honest opinion, what do you feel about um, the likes of Dave Meltzer, Brian Alvarez? Um, you've also obviously mentioned Brad Shepard there, but mainly those two that I've, I've made, I've says. Um, because I think for me, I think a lot of the times when, when, when Meltzer says something, there's a lot. sometimes there is a lot of truth to it because, I mean, he predicted Brock and Roman Reigns are going to main event WrestleMania 
one year in advance. I think he announced it like the weekend of the WrestleMania where it was Roman Reigns and Undertaker were main event. Um, but it goes back to what you're saying, not being held accountable. I think with him having such a big fan base, I feel like if he says something, a lot of his fan base gravitate to that and, and that's it. They automatically have the same opinion. I think he has an opportunity to be like this great ray of hope in a sense rather than being so negative at times but yep. I'm not I don't know I'm just curious to see how you feel about those guys I so Meltzer for me is right I, I put it into two categories for me and this is something that again I, I think with the opinion articles and stuff you can you can be on a very very difficult tightrope to walk so for me again the Meltzer things about accountability um, a lot of stuff he reports and he does report as news it is actually news, and it definitely has. I'm not going to say that it definitely has just now because I can't verify it. But he's definitely had sources in WWE at some point, um, and I, I think that's what like, he's he's got things right. You can't dispute that. Um, the things that people would say he gets wrong, I'm always kind of again. This is a difficult line because a lot of things he says are reports, but a lot of things he says are opinion. And then it's a kind of tricky thing where it always gets lost somewhere in yeah. translation between it, it coming out of Meltzer's mouth or coming out his keyboard Aye. and going through a different website or going through a, Chinese a, whispers, basically. About it. I, essentially, it's going to result in Meltzer said this is happening. And a lot of the times, if you look back at what he said, he's no said it's happening. A lot of times he has said, um, oh, this could be well or going to go with it, or my opinion is that it would be good to do this. Yeah. But again, the reason, like, I think and through no fault of his own, but Dave Meltzer's compromised because of the five-star match thing, and a lot of people disagreeing with his opinions on ratings of matches, which is something I'll not get into because like, I would never rate matches. <laughs> like, I just think it's the kind of thing that you're setting yourself up to be completely bombarded with, with all sorts of different opinions. Mm-hmm. But I think that has compromised his, like, no journalistic, uh, journalistic integrity. That's a bad thing to say because I do think he's got integrity. But the way he's been... Pretty much, I, I think it's overexposure. I think he is seen as the, the very top of wrestling journalism, probably has been for the past whatever, 30 years or something. But I think because of that, everything they says is taken as fact. And whether it's his fault or no, a lot of people will just put it back out there as fact. Uh-huh. And then everybody will believe it because he has a credible source, or, or at least was. So everybody will take everything they says as fact. And then when it doesn't happen, he's lost all credibility. Um, so that's, I would completely, I wouldn't put him anywhere near the same bracket as um, Brad Shepard, but he's, he's definitely like him and, and Brian Alvarez in particular. Their opinions for me sometimes can can border on distasteful. <laughs> um, there was something that uh, Brad, uh, Brad Shepard, I was going to say, that everything he says is distasteful. <laughs> uh, but, um, the, the Dave Meltzer one recently was, uh, oh, he said something about um, female wrestlers selling their ring gear and putting out photos on like yes. um, behind paywalls. And essentially said that the women with the better bodies will be able to do that for more money. Kind of thing. And I was like, oh, that's that's a bit crass. That's not for yep. me. Um, so like things like that. But again, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm perfect. Everybody can open themselves up to, to to any kind of comment online because that's just the way the internet is. And obviously, wrestling journalism is it's quite a big catalyst to, to open yourself up. So, <laughs> but I, I would say it's the kind of thing where if, if you hear somebody reporting something for Belts up. Obviously, a lot of stuff behind a paywall, so people are only going to pay to go back and check what the actual quote is. And try and find the quote, and then decide for yourself if you believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Yep, I think 
Bottomly, I think my biggest issue with Meltzer, like I say, is I don't. I think a lot of the things he reports more more often than not turn out to be true. More often than not, I think my opinion is his opinions are very strong and aggressive. I think Aye. because he has such a big fan base, a lot of the people then say, "Well, if Dave says that, we should feel that way." And it's the same that he comes out and says potentially we're getting John Cena versus Elias at WrestleMania, and he says quote-unquote, that that is extremely underwhelming. That may be Aye. so, but it, like I'm pretty certain John Cena, who, quite frankly, is in the Mount Rushmore of wrestling, has enough say-so and power to say to Vince McMahon, I don't want to come back and wrestle all ice. I'm pretty certain John signed, would have signed off on that if this happens. Like you know, So maybe it might be underwhelming to some people, but John Cena, quite clearly, if this does happen, is fully invested in that feud. So... Like I said, I think I think a lot of his opinions on things are if it doesn't take place in New Japan or AEW, it's a bit, you know, he's uh, very I biased. I think, but at the same time, I think he has also said something along the lines like, if you get like a three and a half star under a WWE, that is the equivalent of having like a four and a half to five star match in New Japan just purely because of the different wrestling styles and how they book things. But, I, I, yeah. I'd agree with that in terms of the kind of opinion being kind of compromised a wee bit but that was even the like when you report something like the John Cena and Elias thing if your next sentence is your opinion on it then it, again mm-hmm. through no fault no matter how credible the first line is when you put your opinion afterwards people will take it as opinion and that kind of discredits it the personal note on that was uh, I'd actually again no source say that in the way, so I'm, this was purely opinion but um, there was a tweet about who would you like to see John Cena face? And I was like, there is the obvious name, but I'd like to see him face Elias because of the last couple of years at WrestleMania. So I think the story's there, so that's mm-hmm. one that personally I think, oh, I sto- think it's quite story a good story. Yep. So moving back to yourself, you, you first came on Urveda uh, on ICW's Facebook page with a few videos for BBC, and then you were on the... Grado and Rab Florence's Wrestling Daft. You do a, quite a, a weekly segment with that now. And since then, since this whole stuff with Triple H and Page on the BT Sports bus tour in January, you you've blown up. Basically, you're a big name fr- from my from my perspective. But you've also got a full time job, so you've got all these names that you've interviewed recently, and you've got Regal, um, Rhea Ripley, Trent Seven. Stephanie McMahon, you've got all these big names. How are you able to juggle all that alongside your full-time job? Uh, good question. Well, we're very unhappy fiancé is probably the best <laughs> I can answer that. Um, no, uh, so, so basically, like um, again, up until, say, the, the turn of the year, um, so I do a full-time job, and I'm quite happy to disclose what that is. I'm, I'm a subtitler um, for what BBC Channel 4, Channel 5, um, pretty much just creating the subtitles for all live and pre-recorded television across the UK and that's something that again it's, it's shift work um, so I could be working 6 till 2 I could be working 4 till 12 whatever um, but it's just the kind of thing where because it's shift work and just <laughs> because I'm obviously doing the wrestling journalism um, I'm not going to say that's always going to be the way but again, up until the so so the reason January was so big, and you mentioned the the Triple H and Page thing, um, what happened was I managed to to essentially get like WWE access, um, which I have been getting for the past maybe almost a year. Um, but I got it on a, a, a bigger level and, and got to go into like NXT UK Takeover Blackpool two and cover that, mm-hmm. and then through BT Sport and WWE's move 
move to that. Just that it so happened that that same week, a couple of days later, um, BT Sport were doing a launch party, and I got to go and um, do interviews on a BT branded bus, and then go to the launch party that night. So that for me, it, what it involved was um, a few kind of swapping shifts with some of my some of my very kind colleagues and taking some annual leave, um, which eventually would, would mean I was off work for say ten days um, for my actual day job. But like I, I'd say, like the, the rest on that I'm gone. It's not really a, like so. When I went down to Blackpool, I was eight in the morning till say two o'clock in the afternoon doing the interviews. Which some people will say it's a job for me. I was getting to talk to wrestlers. Exactly, probably. I know. Um, and then like I, the next night, I was obviously going to take over. Uh, and then like the, the BP thing again, I was on a bus talking to wrestlers. Absolutely brilliant. And then going to a, a launch party, watching some wrestling, drinking drinking some free beer. Um, so it's the kind of thing where I'm going. It's, for me, it's not really juggling a job because it's something I'm passionate about. And I think that's the, the cut-off for me where I'm going, if it starts to feel like a job, I would probably stop doing it. So I probably would end up just with the one job. Um, but no, I find, it, I find it really easy to juggle the two of them. Um, but we'll see how that goes for the rest of the year. But I think <laughs> if I go through January, because that was probably the busiest uh, month I'll ever have, but if I go through that, I think I'll probably be fine, <laughs> fine going forward. Um, just So I'll, I'll fire off two quick questions here. Um, the first, uh, obviously, you're talking about you're getting a lot of WWE access. Are you potentially getting any access to AEW wrestlers at all anytime soon? And the next question, obviously, when Triple H made that joke about Paige, as soon as he says it, what was kind of going through your head? Because for a moment, it kind of seemed like it was like, what did he just say? Kind of like almost awkward, or like a split split second where it was just sort of silence. Um, I, I kind of have an idea of himself what he meant by it, but I'm just keen to... Th- feel what you feel about that i so I, like very happy to answer both of them like i always say i'm an open book when it comes to it and so the aew stuff um again i've been I've, I've got like a wee bit of access to them which involves being on conference calls um with, with cody Rhodes. Uh, all of them have been with cody Rhodes thus far and um, aew haven't done a media conference call with anyone other than cody Rhodes. so i've been on those calls i've spoke to cody Rhodes. um I have interviewed AEW folk, but not through AEW. Right, um, right. So it's a wee bit of a tricky one where I interviewed Chris Jericho, but that was through the Chris Jericho cruise, but obviously did speak about AEW because, again, m- most people are quite happy with asking anything, as long as you ask it in the right way. Um, I've spoke to Marco Stunt, um, but that was before he was in AEW. And then the, the most recent one was Dustin Rhodes, uh, who I actually was speaking to about his acting career, uh, at which I've contacted his acting agent to get that interview. And then also was like, it's for a wrestling website. Is there any chance I can ask, like, maybe split the interview half and half, half about the, the acting, half about the wrestling? And they understand, because I'm going, who's going to read about, like, people will, but who's going to read about Dustin Rhodes acting in comparison to who's going to read about both Dustin Rhodes acting and Dustin Rhodes in AEW? Nice. So if you group the two together, more people are going to read and they'll get more eyes on it. So that's yeah. the kind of thing that um, AEW, I'm hoping that I'll get more of them going forward. Uh, we did have discussions back in January and they said to look back around in February to get an interview. They asked me for a, a few names. That didn't come to fruition because the conference call came up. Um, but they're saying towards the end of the month, hopefully the chance will be there. So hopefully it will happen. Um, I'm looking forward to it because I've not interviewed many people for there. Like I said, I spoke to Cody Rhodes. I spoke to Chris Jericho. I spoke to Dustin Rhodes. I would be like, delighted to interview any of them again and Aye. obviously anybody else. Um the, the Triple H one, um, so you, you're pretty spot on with what you said in terms of 
so so we are sitting there and it was me that asked the question. It was the second question that got asked on that round table. And this was very early in the morning and it felt like it was trying to wake us up a wee bit and, and kind of make the odd wee joke in the first question. And then when I asked that one, the way I see it and when I spoke to Paige, she kind of confirmed that she thought this as well. I thought he said, um, for anybody that doesn't know about it, um, what I asked was, do you think Edge or Paige will return to the Royal Rumble? Thankfully, one of them came true, but it kind of got overshadowed <laughs> anyway. Um, but, um, but I asked that, and essentially Triple H was talking about, he'd love to see them bo- both back in the ring. Who wouldn't he? Put both of them over quite a bit, but that all got lost because um, the comment he said was, what comes first is their health. And he said, Edge has got kids, Paige and then kind of stopped himself. And I believe he was going to say Paige has got kids, and he realised that uh, there was a recent news story that Paige can't have kids. So I think he thought that was going to be a really bad comment to make. Stopped himself for saying that, and then made a joke that, uh, it depends, public opinion would is probably overall that is quite a distasteful joke. I'd probably agree with that, but I don't think there was any malice in it whatsoever. Um, and it was just, oh, Paige has probably got some kids somewhere. And I do think it was a harmless joke. But that was um, I was just lucky that when I asked that, um, the, the, the very next interview I was going to be doing was with Paige, so I knew I could follow <laughs> up on it. But I got called out for, um, for not immediately asking Triple H what he meant by that. But a lot of people don't realise this was in a room full of... It was 30 journalists Oof. trying to get through as many questions as possible, just sitting around a table. Um, thankfully, I got to speak to him later on that night, but it was that, the one later on that night was restricted to NXT UK questions because it was following the event. Mm-hmm. Um, but... This it's a kind of thing. There was a hush, and then a kind of awkward laughter. And I think people, like I didn't really think it at first. And then when I thought more about it, I'm like, oh man. The one thing, this thought quickly ran through my head, and I will say I quickly cut this thought out. Was um, I was sitting getting ready to publish the audio for that uh, that question, and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna have really want to publish that joke because I know that no matter what the, the rest of the answer, could I said absolutely it. Because I confirmed CM Punk's return and nobody would have cared because they'd have picked up the joke uh-huh. because that's just the way the world is now. Um, but I'm like, I need to put it out. I'm going to canny edit the joke out because, and this ended up happening, I'm going, if anybody else was to put the audio up of that interview and people found out that I've cut out a joke, I've manipulated the media that I'm putting out there and I've lost all credibility. Aye. And that, again, it was something that only ran through my head for a second and I'm like, no, there's no, like I'm putting the joke out there um, I said I, I like I typed up the article and I'm going. I'm not doing an article on the joke, but the video is going to be an article with the joke in it, so people can see for themselves, make up their own minds. I'm not going to be the person that sensationalizes, uh, sensationalizes this joke and gets the trouble. Um, but I was like, I'll put it out there because I know for a fact that unless anything happens like really drastically, I know I'll get the chance to talk to Triple H about it in the future. And if I do, then I will ask him his thoughts on it and hopefully put it out there. But I was just lucky that the very next interview I had was with Paige, so I knew I could clear up that way. And again, that was the very first question I asked when I said to Paige, I'm like, don't want to bring this up, but I need to ask you one tough question and the rest is just going to be like fun stuff. Mm-hmm. And I did say, we'll get this out of the way. Ask the question, and she kind of confirmed what I thought. Well, she's like, if he said the joke in private, I would have probably laughed and thought it was okay. It was just because of the circumstances. She thought it was a wee bit distasteful and it just kind of came out the blue and... and Obviously, she wasn't wasn't too happy with it, but she did say that they'd had the discussion, and that was the morning before, or the morning of him putting out the tweet apologising publicly for it. Um, so, 
the kind of thing that I think you know it's, it's Triple H and that I think he's built up enough goodwill that people kind of can forgive and forget like the odd wee thing like that but aye it was a bit of a, it was an unfortunate one um, but it was the kind of thing that I actually like I think it worked out well. like this sounds like a selfish way of saying it it worked out well for me but only because I feel like I went about it in the right way uh, otherwise it could have been disastrous well Obviously, we're sort of wrapping up time-wise here. I was going to ask you about ICW at the moment and how there's quite a heavy Scottish contingency throughout WWE, but maybe we could get you on at a later date to talk about that in more detail. So, Ricky, do you want to finish us up for the wee session here? Yeah, I I think I might know the answer to this just based on how the conversations went, but has there been a moment in your career that, that you're extremely proud of or just Maybe if you want to, it might not be one specific thing, it would be a, a combination of different things, but is there anything that kind of stands out? You're like, I'm extremely proud of that, whether it be like an interview or meeting someone or a, an article that you published. I um, So I'll run through a few of them, because I've still got a wee bit of time. I'm, I'm, I'm not too urgent yet, um, but I'll, obviously I'll definitely come back on and talk about ICW and, and Scottish wrestling in the future, because that's one thing I'm, I'm very passionate about. So right, good, good. definitely whenever you will have me, I'll go back on. Um, I'm going to run through a few of these because there is a few things that have just been like mind blowing for me. Um, the first one, obviously, is is meeting Triple H. Uh, like I say, he's he's one guy that when I was younger, it wasn't ever one of my favourite wrestlers, but obviously it was always there. Um, and he has like just for what he's done, both as a wrestler, like in the ring, he's obviously he's a Hall of Famer with DX. Again, I think it's like Vince McMahon, well, for the out-of-the-ring stuff, he will not be put in the Hall of Fame until he's dead, probably by his own wishes. Um, but I think Triple H has done an incredible amount for wrestling. Even if I just look at NXT, if I take into account NXT TakeOver events, every one of them has been outstanding. And for me, that's a lot of it, in part, is due to Triple H. And obviously a lot of the rest of the team, like Matt Bloom, William Regal, Shawn Michaels have all had big says, and the talent as well. Um, but that meeting Triple H is just like, it's the kind of thing where I'm like, um, like I said, first and foremost, I'm I'm a fan. Um, I'll make sure everything I put out there is accurate in terms of writing and interviews, but I, I'm a fan. Uh, and the second I stopped enjoying wrestling, the second I stopped writing about it. So meeting him was absolutely incredible. Uh, one wee one that I had even just today, so I'm, I'm a huge fan of Rhea Ripley. Um, she is one of my favourite wrestlers. Uh, and getting to ask her a few questions was brilliant. But the best thing about it is see those conference calls. So you'll go in with, say, I'll go in with 10 questions prepped because you don't know when you're going to get to ask your question. People might already have asked your question. Uh, so you're like, you need to go in with more stuff prepped than uh-huh. you ever would hope to hope to ask. So I asked her a couple of questions, like generic stuff um, about, obviously, our match with Charlotte Flair coming up and well, um, how she'd feel if Bianca Belair got put into the match. And... It turned out there was more time, so if you want another question, you just press a couple of buttons. I pressed the buttons before even thinking of the question. Uh, and when it came back, I thought it a wee bit garbage. Uh, so I asked her about the Shayna Baszler biting Becky Lynch thing. Uh, and again, like this is my favourite thing about any interview, is just when you make one of the talents laugh. And she was just sitting there like giggling away for ages before she asked the question. And I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool, just getting to like, interact in that way with you. Obviously, being on the bus, uh, the BT bus, that for me was incredible. I got to talk to like uh, with Charlotte Flair, Andrade, Paige, uh, Sheamus, Kurt Angle, and that's being on a double-decker bus in London, getting to talk to like wrestlers you've grew up watching. I'm like, man, that's the kind of thing you just never ever think you're gonna get to do. And like I said that night, I went to the the launch party, 
and there was a lot of folk just cutting about for you to meet and kind of talk to. One of which was Stephanie McMahon, who I got to say, or I got to speak to you in a conference call, um, which was amazing. And she was like very grateful for that, grateful for all the coverage. And like uh, Rick Flair was another one, Kane Velasquez was another one, just standing meeting everybody. Uh-huh. Um, but the one, the one crowning like achievement for me, um, that uh, this is like kind of a really generic being for Glasgow, being a complete mark thing. Um, was at NXT UK TakeOver Blackpool 2. We were meant to do the, the post-show thing, um, which was essentially a, a wee mini-conference with Triple H just to speak about the event. So after that, what you do is um, you get told a designated point of the venue to go and stand at. Um, if you're a journalist, WWE do it the right way where they always um, put you behind the hard camera so you're never on screen, uh, essentially just to... So you don't compromise journalistic integrity by looking like you're cheering on screen and stuff, which is fine anyway, because again, I always say we're all fans. Um, but they, they put you behind the hard cam, and then the meeting point was just at the side of the ring. So we walked to the side of the ring afterwards, and they're breaking down the ring and all this nonsense. They're breaking down all the chairs. So it's loud as anything, and they say, right, um, we, we can't, uh, can't actually have the, the conference. And I'm like, oh, it's going to be cancelled. Um, we can't have the conference here. We need to go backstage. And I'm like, oh, you're a dancer. Um, <laughs> so I got to go backstage, and that was like, a, it was two specific things that happened, uh, or kind of two and a half, where we're walking backstage, and they're like, obviously, the, the, the rules apply, no photos, don't like talk to anybody, just kind of follow us through. We'll go to this specific place. This was maybe me and about five other people, maybe six other people. We'll go to this specific place where they've got the board set up, where they do all the interviews for backstage um, with it, like the media boards. Cool, walking through, and a uh, Joe Coffey, who had interviewed oh. um, earlier that day, and who I've spoke to, and again, I always say this thing, well, I'm a Rangers fan, obviously he's a Celtic fan, where I'm like, mate, you'll hate me, because I'm a wrestling journalist and a Rangers fan, so that's like your two worst nightmares. <laughs> um, but I was walking through, and obviously he'd just finished his match with Walter, and was still looking pretty tired, we'll say, um, pretty knackered, because it was a, a long match, and obviously a physical one with Walter, but he looked up, and before I say that, he was like, all right, Gary, I'm like... Remembered my name, that's brilliant. Uh, it was just one of the ones I've gone. Obviously, a lot of Glasgow wrestlers do. You're going, he's at the big time, he's a number of me, remembers my name. That's, that's pretty cool. Um, but the, the two bits, like the, the main bits, was uh, so I went backstage. My mate always slags for me for this because I'm like, there was two moments. The first one was uh, I turned around and I seen Triple H and Shawn Michaels talking to each other just about the event. And I'm like, fuck, if I could take a photo of that, that would probably be like just. Nobody did ever believe that I was stunning backstage in WWE watching these two legends talk about the event they've just put on, uh, which I'm like, that is mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. But the second one, that I don't know why it blows that out the water. My mate always slacks me for this because he's like, nothing can beat uh, like seeing Shawn Michaels and Triple H just talking about the event as I turned around. And I just, I forgot to work there. And I was like, there's Prince Albert. <laughs> I was like, there's Tensai. <laughs> Prince Albert. <laughs> Matt Bloom's Might be the first time Matt Bloom has been mentioned on the Rick and Clive podcast, so well done. And they got a fair few mentions there as well. Right. Well, 
Gary, thanks very much for coming on. Uh, as I say, we'll try and get you on soon and talk about the exciting stuff that's going on for ICW and Scottish wrestling in general. But before you go, you want to drop all your details for us? Aye, definitely. I'll just say thanks for having me on. Like uh, I say, it's the kind of thing where I'm like, even if it can be like five, ten, whatever minutes, I'm always happy to come on. Uh-huh. If I've got the, the, the time and I'm no like in work and subtitling, then I'm happy to come on and talk about absolutely anything you want to talk about. So just give me a shout and I'll happily come back on. Good stuff. Um, but aye, I'll do the, the shameless plugs. Thankfully, you've put a load of them in there for me, so I don't need to do too many. Um, but I'm Gary Cassidy on Twitter. Um, so if you search my name, hopefully I'll come up. I've been trying to get the at Gary Cassidy handle for ages off of, uh, someone that's got like 20 followers that doesn't even use Twitter, but they'll, they'll know for giving up. So I've accepted that and I've got like my, my handle printed on a few things. So I'm like, I don't really want to replace all that. So it's just uh, it's Conscious Gary, it's C O N S C I O U S G A R Y. If you go in there, the one thing that I always like want everybody to watch is the. The, like you mentioned earlier, the BBC The Social video, which I've got pinned. Mm-hmm. I've done two of them. The first one was uh, about being on the receiving end of the question, you still watch wrestling, you know it's fake, right? Um, but the second one, which obviously that one resonated with a lot of people and it was pretty cool, but the second one, which is the, the one that I'm, I'm kind of most proud of, was uh, the, the William Regal interview. And that was essentially the easiest interview I've ever done. Because I said to William Regal, would you be able to uh, talk to me about wrestling, uh, Scottish wrestling in particular, if I just say to you, like, this is the topic? I no worries. Um, again, the weird thing about that is he introduced himself to me as Darren, and I'm like, that's the weirdest thing ever. Oh, so that goes wow. in the highlights as well. <laughs> um, but no, so I just said to him, all right, mate, can you talk about Scottish wrestling? And off he went. And this video is edited down to, like, three, four minutes, but he spoke to me for 15 minutes about Sherman Hotel in Shetland with Justin Thunder Liger, about uh, <laughs> pretty much that. I the weirdest things ever, um, and then just about uh, the coffees being the first people they contacted for the UK tournament uh-huh. that they weren't available because they were doing more of this sport. A lot of stuff like that. There's just a lot of nice wee plugs in there for places in Scotland like Bucky and Witch and stuff like that. So if you go on my Twitter, that's the very top video. Everything else is linked for there. My sports keeper profile is linked for there, so you can go and throw through all my stuff and and see what rubbish I've been talking and. And hold me accountable for any stories I put out there that oh, will be we accurate. Will, we will, definitely. Uh, but if you go on there, you'll, you'll see everything on my Twitter, so feel free to do that, or, or obviously, uh, hopefully I'll be on here again. So if you if you keep tuning in, you'll, you'll hopefully hear me again on this very show. Fantastic. Uh, we really appreciate you taking the time to come on. No, thanks for having us on. I appreciate it. Right, cheers, Gary. Thank you. All right, thank you. Cheers, guys. Right, thank you. Care. Cheers, bye. Right. Well, Ricky... I think I'll have to sort of reconsider my stance on wrestling journalism as a whole. That was quite the, the frank and honest interview. It was a really good one. Glad we had him on. No, it was really good. Um, in the fact that Kenny said himself that he doesn't like to be called a journalist. Um, and I, I think I think the most impressive thing there was that the one thing I've always wanted people to do is for people to be held accountable for what you say and do and stuff especially like reports and when you put stuff out, he seems to be like, well, when I put something out, I will be held accountable for it because this is my work and uh-huh. this is, you know, so I, I appreciated that. I really liked that. And the fact that he said he's happy to come on again and talk ICW or talk Scottish wrestling in general, we'll definitely be having him on again, like Aye, hopefully as soon as possible. Excellent. Good stuff. Right, so moving on to the second portion of the show, and we're going to look at the what has turned into quite a divisive NXT takeover from Portland this past Sunday. We were going to have um, a large, sexy black man on the show, but Keith Lee couldn't join us this week, so Rance Morris 
how are you today, sir? Hey! If I'm second to Keith Lee, I'll accept that. I'm good with that. What's up, guys? All good, sir. Yourself? Good, man. It's uh, good, to, good to be back together again because, you know, the show is called the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show and Friends. I'm the and Friends part, so it's good to be back. And if if you sort of miss here the friends part, it does sound like rants. <laughs> there you go. Like if you say it with you guys accent really fast, sounds like me. <laughs> so, Rance, how did you enjoy yes, NXT Takeover Portland? So man, boy, that was a God, that that, that was a, I was exhausted watching the end of that show. Emotionally, <laughs> physically. I think that might be easily top three, top five takeovers of all time. Really? But yeah, oh my god, it was it's one of the best they've ever done. But the shit that was either n- nothing was bad, but the stuff that just stood out really stood out, and not in a positive way. Right. What about you, Ricky? I, I would echo that. I would echo that. I would go as far as to say that it's one of the very best wrestling shows we'll see. Um, for match, the match quality itself. Um, like I said, a couple of things bothered me, especially the ending. But I mean, just purely for the the matches and what we witnessed, phenomenal, phenomenal. Pound for pound, like I said as good as any takeover you've got in any wrestling show you'll probably see I think I, ha- I do agree and that tag team match was wild, absolutely wild and I, was, I said to you privately on Monday morning I think I said is it just me or has Pete Dunn actually got better and I know he's only in his early 20s but I know it was also in a sort of four-man match, but Pete Dunne stood out as an absolute star in that match, and it was it was organised chaos with that sort of British strong style thing that they that they all bring. Really, they've got that sort of nasty MMA streak going on, and it was just pulverising. But the the Dijak and Keith Lee stuff that was bonkers as well. I could like I don't really have the words for that match particularly. So please, someone help me out. Well, well, to, to go back to the tag match for a second, the irony of you saying that they all kind of have the MMA hybrid kind of British strong type style is that the only one who doesn't legitimately have a background in British strong style t- speaking of MMA is Pete Dunne. Because Roddy, I'm not Roddy, because Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly could go fight in UFC tomorrow. Like, they're that trained in those arts uh-huh. and you know Matt Riddle was a top five I think it was a welterweight when he was there um, so you know Pete it's just Pete just came from where did he come from he came from Dudley yep Midlands area yep yeah like so he it, it just picked it all up naturally Just he's just a savant um, if you want to if we want to start with the Keith Lee Magikovic okay. match um, it Look, that match reminded me of. Uh, I know, <laughs> I know. Mooch hates. Oh, Ricky, excuse me, sorry. Okay, Fabe. Shoot, shoot name Claxon. <laughs> I know Ricky hates comic books, but your son loves them. 
So have you guys seen the Superman Man of Steel movie with with Henry Cavill? Love that. You remember the final fight between <laughs> Superman and Zod? How could I forget it? That's what this was. <laughs> That's what that match was. It's ridiculous. It's and then I don't even I'm not even a big fan of like doing stupid stuff to do stupid stuff. But when it's done by a guy six two three twenty and a guy six six two seventy five, I kinda give it a pass. What I loved about this one, Ricky Maybe more than the others, because obviously it had to take over length and the sort of luster of many thousands in attendance, as well as the crazy spot monkey stuff they, start, they did. I mean, Dijak's springboard on uh, oh, Jesus. somersault Jesus. onto the chair. Oh, that God. was a couple of inches, and Dijak was paralysed for life. Yeah. Um, but there was the big men spots as well. They were charging each other in the ring, uh, slowed it down. So they had both paces of just breakneck speed and the uh, immovable object versus the something force. What is that bloody term again? The immovable object versus the irresistible force. Irresistible force, yes. Force. Yep. Yeah, like you said, a couple of watches, but it's funny. Um, I remember I spoke to Josh of Keeping It Strong style Um I think we were on the phone to each other. Yeah, we were. And we were talking about we don't actually mind botches in a match. The problem is when you maybe try to redo, recreate that spot again and then maybe you fuck up again or whatever. It's just like, all right, we fucked it. Let's just move on. You know, like, shit happens. Like, and I've all, we've said it so many times, like, when when sometimes you see things looking a bit chaotic and a bit like, oh, that didn't look very fluid, it kind of adds to it because it's it's a fight at the end of the day. Um, I didn't think it was possible for the previous matches to be topped. It, like <laughs> this was my favourite out of the, was it this, this is a fourth match now. I, I think. think so. Like, I, I, fuck, it just it was unbelievable. Like, you know, I, this was my favourite. Like I says out of the four matches that we've had so far. Mm-hmm. Um. That should probably draw a conclusion to also we shouldn't really see these two in the ring again. I don't think as great as as in ring action it is, I'm ready to see Keith Lee move on to something else now. Um, and so you go. It, 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 I was just gonna say it's hilarious you brought up botches real quick before we move on from that because the botches helped the match, like the spirit bomb where Dijakovic he hit him so hard he ended up standing on his feet. Yes, that's right. Like. That was amazing because it looked like it was supposed to happen, but that was a botch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like the, they, it, because they're two titans, they're two Herculean behemoths. Like, you like that, you know, that, nice. that verse words come. Thank you, thank you. Beautiful. Hashtag journalism. Since, <laughs> since this is a real journalistic show now, yeah. you know, <laughs> um, reporter's show, <laughs> not journalism, it's still a bad word. But no, man. <laughs> But it helped, yeah. It, I think the bodges helped the match. To your point, Rick. Yeah, and sometimes that that like he says that can happen. Um, and, and they weren't like so glaringly obvious, but it was like, oh, that just looks so ugly. Like you say, it kind of helped and kind of tied into some of the things because when I can't remember, was it the ah, oh, what was it going for? Was it going for a power bomb? No, I can't remember. 
Dijakovic and he kind of like stumbled and couldn't get Keith Lee up. It's like that could tie into the whole show. Oh. Well, Keith Lee's such a big dude, you know. So the feast like, your eyes at the end, yeah. Yep. Yeah, so, yeah, man, like one of the absolute very best matches. It'll be, I, I think it'll be right up there in terms of one of the matches of the year, certainly when it comes to like an NXT WWE um, perspective. Um, just a great, great way to start the show. But it was, it wasn't even the top three match of the night. Well, that's the crazy thing. That's. It may have been my favorite. Well, it's, it's hard for it, me to pinpoint, but it was in my top three, definitely. Well, if 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 I may steal from my tag team partner Kyle and use some journalism to kind of. Segway, my favorite match was the next one. I wonder why. I wonder <laughs> why. <laughs> Dirty beast. I mean, other reasons, but that that didn't hurt. But other reasons. Now, the you would think it would be hard to follow now the whole follow that MFers, uh, but Tegan Knox and Dakota Kai put on a very good match. I thoroughly enjoyed it. The the violence was on point. What what I liked specifically about it was you had the random appearance at the end of Raquel Gonzalez, um, sans chapless leather pants, which was a shame. But um, <laughs> at first I was thinking, that's a bit random. I mean, you've got quite a few other women on that roster who could easily fill that space. But the beauty of that is Dakota Kai has been so self-destructive recently that... She's alienated everyone, both heels and faces. Nobody wants anything to do with her. So who else would you bring in apart from someone completely new? Completely new. Um, and it was a, a bit of an ugly bump that Tegan Knox took at the end there. But this this match was rife with the old symbolism. With the you said to me it was a laptop. I thought it was the base of the the bell. That the remember the was it definitely yeah, a laptop? Yeah, with the knee. Yeah, it was a laptop. No, yeah. it was a. It was a, uh, the space of the bell would, would, doesn't make that type of a pop. That was right. a damn laptop. But to hit that with the knee, the the chain with the knee, sort of chain symbolising yeah. the cages they were locked in at the chamber uh, at War Games, and when Dakota Kai's head was trapped in the chair and it looked as if she was, her head was about to be punted off, that was sort of indicative of their altercation at War Games. It was just, I was in love with it. In love with the match, Rance. <clears throat> Excuse me. Okay. Um, so the reason this was my favorite match is because I think it was impeccably wrestled. And it wasn't violence just for the sake of violence. And far too often, I think, with deathmatch wrestling and hardcore wrestling and how often it is and how much there's gore for the purpose of gore and doing crazy spots for the purpose of just having crazy spots, it kind of takes away from the point of why you would do the crazy spots everything in this match was up had a purpose you mentioned it the laptop was to the knee was a purpose having the chain there was a purpose like everything in that match had a purpose um but besides that i think these two women who both of whom had never had a singles match in a takeover mm-hmm. both of them the the fact that they went out there 
after the spot that they were given and to almost be the change of pace bathroom match and to go out there and wrestle that well of a match and get the crowd that interested like it it, it was it was beautifully done and like they deserve a massive round of applause and i think it was the perfect ending because not only did you like you said did dakota alienate everybody she needed to t- somebody else had to come help her but it's a hoss and it's yep. always good when a smaller person has a big person watching their back uh-huh. so now if tegan wants to go to dakota she's got to go through a damn near six foot you know Pelham. huge texan woman yeah Ricky? Pretty much everything ranted. Um, <laughs> it was, it wasn't my favorite match tonight, but it was, it was still a, it was still a really good match. Um, yeah, like the story will continue. Um, yeah, like I said, I don't really have much more to add on to what Rance says. I think Rance pretty much nailed everything there in his assessment. Well. The next match, and I did mean to get back round to watching it, it's just time has escaped me, but when this was on in the house, kids were playing up, I was distracted, so I don't really have much to add with regards to Finn Balor and Johnny Gargano, so if you want to go ahead with that one, you can give the the first take on that, because I've not got much to add to this one, really. This was a match that I was most looking forward to. Um... It was pretty damn good. Pretty damn good. Um, the moment where Finn had him in like the headlock, the scissor lock, um, and we started doing the press ups. Ah, that was like, amazing. <laughs> just like a little shit, you like you arrogant bastard kind of thing. Um, thankfully, the right man won. Um, I think obviously based on what happened later on that evening, you kind of you might you can understand why they went with Finn because now everyone forgets about Gargano losing because this was Gargano's uh, first big match back from his from the injury etc mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, it was it delivered in every sense that you expected it to um, I was I wouldn't have minded it um, being longer the feud itself as opposed to like I don't mean the match um, obviously, like I say, they're going elsewhere now with Gargano, and I don't really know what the plan is now with Finn. Mm. Maybe they'll go Finn Adam Cole at some point. Um, but that's heel on heel. Will they do that? We'll see. Um, yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this match. I think this is pro- it was probably my... Uh, gun to my head, probably my second favourite match of the night, if I'm honest. Um, after... I would say probably after um, the opening match. So this match and the and the main event suffer from an issue that I wait to really get into to the main event, but kind of like uh, the I think the the over necessary bloat of the main event style of NXT, and we'll talk about it when we get to Cole and Chumper more, but. So I'll give uh, three quick points about the match because I, I, it was a great match. So my, my first point was it, it was 
and it was a wonderfully wrestled match, but I didn't care about it until like the second half because I knew it was going to be 30 minutes. So like mentally I'm like, eh, I'll just pay attention to it and really get into it when I know they're ramping it up because I know Gargano matches. Like that's something me and something me and Clive kind of laugh about personally Oh yes, about Gargano matches. Um, <clears throat> the second point was, and maybe it was because of, I, I, I wasn't against the match. It was actually one of the matches I was most excited about going into it, but maybe it was because of kind of that, apathy of going into it in the first half but it felt almost heatless for a while until like they ramped it up um so like in my mind i looked at it as maybe the best match you could watch in a long time that didn't really matter mm-hmm. um that was just to me i'm not because i don't want to make that like that was the like portland loved it everybody i talked to loved it that was just to me but lastly, and I think most importantly going forward, man, look, Finn Balor, they they got something with dude. Like, I don't know, maybe maybe whenever somebody's like not doing well or they're like they're stuck or they're stagnant, go get married. Cause like <laughs> this dude got married. My God. Like, my favorite part of the match is this there's a joke in here, Clive, was at the end when he beat him. And, like, he stood over him for, like, 45 seconds in his face, like, paintbrushing him and talking trash. Mm-hmm. And the ref's like, bro, the match over. Like, I love that. Mm-hmm. Because you can tell, like, he's really locked in. Uh, he he looks amazing. Uh, yeah, Finn Balor's a star. And much like Alistair Black had to kick the alignment out of Johnny Gargano, Maybe Finn Balor kicked it back into him. Oh. <laughs> I, uh-huh. To touch on to touch on to point number two. Like I mean, I I completely agree there. Like come on, like Finn or I'm talking to Gargano here. Like Finn put you out of action for however long it was again. Three or four months. You know, like yeah. yeah, like so that's my issue, and I, I'm almost certain. I think. Samoa Joe and AJ Styles first match before their match in Australia, they started off with like a headlock. It's like, what the <laughs> fuck are you like? You dude's been at your home and saying shit about your wife, like no, it, like you just elbow tie up, yeah. Yes, Ooh. you just start punching it, and that's what I loved about the Australia match. Samoa Joe didn't even reach the ring, and AJ Styles' music came on, and then he started brawling in the. In the aisle, um, kind of epic shot they had that epic shot down the down the aisle. Yeah, it reminded me of Diesel versus Shawn Michaels in your house. Yep, where Shawn Michaels is walking down and he's always starting to take his top off, drops the title belt, gets straight in, takes it to Diesel and knocks Diesel out of the ring. I I absolutely love that. Like so, when when it's a like quote quote blood feud, there's so much hatred there. Like. Don't start the match off like your like the normal standard way. Mm-hmm. A minor gripe, but not so much minor. It's it's a major thing. It's been a me, gripe for you for a long still, time. Uh, yeah. So I can like that's a uh, to steal a rantism, That's consistent of you. Thanks. You're welcome. Hey, 
There we go. Journal. Look at us, journalists. Look at us. <laughs> oh. Well, hey, if we're if we're only going by our kayfabe names, then don't call me Rez. Call me Ray. How about that? Mr. Cash. <laughs> nah, call me Rez. R e r e y as in Romano. <laughs> See, Romano is R a y. That's why That's I do that. There you go. I pr- it was proven right on live on air. That's why I say R e y. Because he's the only R.E.Y. that I know. Well, speaking of wrestlers who have Ray at the start of their name, uh, R- Rhea Ripley. Oh, God. Oh. That was a terrible segue. <laughs> that was terrible. Kyle Moore's, <laughs> Kyle Moore's put that in your pipe and smoke it, sir. That was the best segue <laughs> of all time. Oh, man. I needed that laugh. That's great. Segway King, that was amazing. Kyle Moore's his his, his job is over. I've stolen his um, squared circle sage moniker, and now I'm the the, the Segway King, right? So Rhea Ripley, Bianca Belair, really really enjoyed this match. This was a this was basically although Bianca Belair's not like tall and dominant, this was a horse match for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it was brutal. She's big. She is big, but she's not sort of, for instance, Raquel Gonzalez big. She's like Cesaro. She's not y- built Yes, spot big. on. Uh, yeah. But the match itself was a belter, I thought. I really, I didn't, I was looking forward to it going in, but I was um, more than, it over exceeded my expectations. I don't know about you guys. Well, let me ask you guys this question real quick before we get into it. Because I know we're going to talk about kind of the controversy of Rhea winning and Bianca maybe being left out. But let me ask you this. When I think about WrestleMania triple threat matches, the person who should hold the belt in my mind is always the person who needs the most help going into the match. Right? I say that because the other two normally can build the match on their own, just on their own charisma. Is Rhea going into it with these three characters, Rhea, Charlotte, and Bianca, to y'all? As great as she is and as great as she's been, doesn't she look at like the the weakest of the three from a star quality wise? Uh, are you as are you assuming it's going to be a triple threat? Well, I'm just saying. Well, I'm I'm thinking it's going to be a triple threat, but even just looking at, I guess this is. I guess I'm trying to give credence to the people who thought that Bianca should have won. To answer. Well, we'll discuss what you've said first. Rhea Ripley was made a star in about 10 days in November. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was 10 days, same with Keith Lee, one night in Survivor Series, and people will remember him so much that they popped big time at the Royal Rumble. Rhea Ripley, in my opinion, is already a star. I don't think she needs the addition to make it a triple threat to stand out. I'm not sure why they're wanting to do a triple threat if that is the case, but the way things ended at TakeOver with Charlotte stomping on Bianca at the end as well would suggest that Bianca has unfinished business with Charlotte Flair as well. Um, I'm not really... I don't think she's lacking in star power. You, well, Mooch? Because I don't want to overshadow the match, but I know... I know and you guys saw my big, my long Twitter post about this but there is a yep. huge portion of the internet community largely black 
who are really, really, and Triple H has had to speak about this. Like, it's become a thing that he's had to talk about it, that they're really, really tired of Bianca being overshadowed because Bianca, regardless of how you feel personally about her, if you put her neck and neck, shoulder to shoulder with every other woman on that roster, in some form or fashion, if she isn't better, she's more interesting or she has a better look or she has a better gimmick, or there's something about her that you could argue should put them, put her with or above them. And she, I mean, Candace, I think Candace LeRae is the most underutilized talent in the business. But other than Candace, like, Bianca will pop out of nowhere and get a push, and then she'll lose a big match, and then you won't see her for a while. And it's really frustrating. And in this sense, I love Rhea Ripley. Me and you, Clive, have like wax poetic about Rhea Ripley but the one thing Rhea can't do is talk mm. like Rhea is not interesting in any form or fashion if she has to open her mouth that's no diss to her that's no diss everybody's not perfect that's no diss mm-hmm. she's a 9 out of a 10 that only reaches out of 10 is because she has no charisma on the mic that's cool she don't need charisma just sound tough Bianca's a 10 and she don't even know the business I know so it's so it's like from a wrestling standpoint she can do anything. From from a look standpoint, I mean, I don't I can't think of very many people who have not like attractive wise, but who have as good of a look as she has. Uh charismatic, charisma out the out the wazoo. She can talk and it's not only that she can talk well, but she talked in a way that you're like, damn, that probably that really sounds like her. Uh-huh. So, you know, so I'm just trying to give credence to the controversy because I think the right person won. But man, it's going to suck for her to get left left. This feels like going into WrestleMania 29 when Punk lost to Cena. Mm -hmm. And it was rock. And it was rock. It was rock Cena again. We saw that already. We haven't seen Charlotte Rhea yet. But like Punk would have been the heater that would have made that match explode. Punk lost like I think Bianca can make. Well, Punk lost to Rock in at Royal Rumble, Rumble, and then he lost rematch yep. at Fastlane, whatever it was. Whatever it but was. if you remember, like three weeks, four weeks or so before WrestleMania, Cena and Rock, Cena and Punk had a match on Raw to see yep. who would wrestle wrestle Rock. Is that the one with the And that's the match now? that. That's the one with the power driver. Uh-huh. And um, in fact, Punk has said that's the match he's most proud of because, like, they didn't care, and they and like the match made him care because it was so good. But if you if you think about what WrestleMania could have been if that match was a triple threat, regardless of how we feel about Punk now, it would have been five times better than it was, in my opinion. And I think adding Bianca to the triple threat will make this match five times better mm-hmm. because of the different dynamic that she can add. I really didn't mean to take all that time. I'm sorry. Please. So, so the thing with Rhea Ripley, I think for people who watched NXT UK because she was a heel there and ever since she'd been at NXT she'd been a babyface. I think if you did present her as a heel she would become more appealing or would be closer to, as you said, closer to a 10 runs. Because she's big, she's going to be bigger than most of the people. Um, mm-hmm. 
she's more physical than just about all of them. So like said, as long as you just come across and talk like you're tough, then straight away you're like that's all you need to do in your promo when when you're somewhat when you look like her. And that's what kind of what she'd done in NXT UK. So I think if they do eventually turn her heel, she'll have a little bit more charisma or a little bit more to her personality and gimmick. Um, Probably. I'm not one of the people that think that Bianca Belair should have won because you quite rightly pointed out there's only been like eight or nine women have held that title in the space of like eight, eight nine, years. ten years. Nine, nine women in eight years. And it's really, and remember, Shayna won it twice. Yep, um, I'm actually. <laughs> I actually think Bianca should have beaten Shayna last year. Um, yeah, me too. Yeah, I was one here. of those ones that says that that's when it sh- that's when Shayna's run should have ended. Um, I think Bianca eventually wins it at some point. I think she's just too damn good not to hold that title. Um, the WrestleMania triple threat makes sense because, like you say, the storyline sense it's already there, but. I'm not sure if they do it. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe if you know they have Charlotte and Bianca have a little kind of mini feud on NXT for the time being. I would like to see it because then I think at that point, then I think Bianca wins it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think she does so probably beating Rhea because you want to quote quote unquote protect Charlotte or whatever you want to say there. Um, but if it's a straight up singles match, just. I just have a hard time believing Charlotte's going to win the title at WrestleMania. I know we're quite a far away away. I just have a hard oh, time no. believing that. I don't believe it either, which is part of the reason why I think throwing Bianca in will make it more interesting. Mm-hmm. This... Um, and and I want to I'm, I'm going to throw it to you. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to take over, but <laughs> I just want to I want to make one more point before uh, <laughs> you say your points, Clive. But if you to to kind of speak to my point about the charisma of Rhea not working, you put them together and have Rhea and Charlotte standoff looks great, but the dialogue hasn't worked. They haven't really had much of a reason to want to fight each other. Rhea's not that good on the, in the mic at all, let alone as a face. The one segment that worked was the segment with Bianca, and Bianca had the least to say. Yeah, she did. She hardly spoke. And and that's my point. That's 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 why I think her as the heater in that match could make it so much more interesting. Just her facial expressions and one saying, "You don't even go here." That's all she had to say, and like, boom, we hot now. With regards to the upset people have had for Bianca not winning on Sunday, whether we like it or not, and it's probably one of the biggest things that fans have an issue with is that WWE play the long game. And the NXT all, plays a long game. Yeah. <laughs> NXT. Aye. And and they also well, this isn't exclusive to just NXT. WWE show their appreciation of superstars not just by slapping titles round their waists. Yeah. Bianca has similar to these girls, similar to Keith Lee, um really good t- build in the lead up to Survivor series. Uh fantastic showing in the Royal Rumble. She was in a takeover match for the title and there's talk of her being included in the triple threat match, making it a triple threat match. Someone obviously likes Bel Air there and someone wants Bel Air to do well. Whether it is a long game in the lead up to her winning the title at WrestleMania, that's another conversation for another day, but 
although she doesn't have title, the title, um, I do think WWE thinks highly of her. I agree. So, like many, many other things that people cry about, just be patient. And uh, Rhea Ripley's, that was like her first proper defence since winning at the end of December, so she needs to sort of cement her own legacy with that title first. Do you think... So this is such a weird time for NXT because there's going to be a takeover Tampa Saturday night, but then there's also going to be at least one NXT championship match at WrestleMania, Rhea versus Charlotte. Do you think or do you want to see Rhea defend Saturday night too? Ooh. No, because if Rhea does win that and it's Bianca again, then there'll be an outcry. Well, okay, so what I think could happen is what if you run Charlotte versus Bianca at TakeOver? Winner gets into the triple threat. If Bianca wins, she gets into the triple threat. If Charlotte if Charlotte wins, Bianca leaves NXT. Something like that. That could work. It could work. And then, quote, unquote, knowing Vince, <laughs> Charlotte and Bianca, no. Charlotte and Bianca to take over on the Saturday or Friday night. Uh, the match is a classic. Then down comes Ronda Rousey. <laughs> the match gets cancelled out and Ronda Rousey makes it a fatal four-way at WrestleMania to headline that, the show. You know, that's a Vincenzo. That's something he would do. Either that or pick the most random person like Raquel Gonzalez to run into the match. So, you know. So, next up is the NXT Tag Team Championship match. Broserweights. The, the best um, comedy cop um, double act I've seen in a long time versus the other really good comedy double act I've seen in a long time. The match started slowly, but I spoke earlier on when we started this. What a, a wild ride this one was. Crazy shit, Ricky. Yeah. To think that these two came together, what, like six weeks ago or whatever it was? Um... I think I think their characters just work so well together. Yep. You know, Riddle walks about with a hat, dancing and, and walking about flip flops and Pete Dunne is just stony faced expressionless at times. Uh glad that these two win because it means that actually that the dusty classic means something in a sense and also that these two have actually got a direction and they're actually taking a tag match series, well, the tag team series. Um, kind of going off slightly off topic, but not really. But I mean, it, kind of throwing two guys together or two people together uh, to put them in a tag team. I think if you take it serious and you have a direction with them, it shows, it's shown, history shown it can work. Look at the bar. Look at yeah. the bar. Hell, look at the new day. I'm crying out loud. Yep. Uh, Look uh, at um, Yokozuna own heart. Booker T um, and Goldust. Uh, Kenny well, Omega and Hangman Page. There's if, so if, many more. If we're honest, every tag team that's not real brothers or real family is thrown together. We just don't always see them that's getting true. it together. That's true. Yeah, I, I just mean like like if you've got two guys who have been predominantly singles guys and then out of nowhere it yeah. seems like 
like like Cesaro and Sheamus, like they were feud, having that great best of seven. Then all of a sudden they're tagging together. Um, I'm sure there's a few others that somehow have just escaped. Well, Team Hell No being one as well. Um, yeah, X Pac and Kane. Yeah, so like I say, it, it can work. Um, fucking another great undisputed era tag match. Oh, um, it's just... I, I loved. I even loved at the start as well. Like they had enough of fucking. How many? How many fish could Bobby Fish fry? Bobby Fish could fry fish. Like, That's amazing. That That's so good. Can running out the ring and and then they start brawling in the aisle again. It's like right. So just even in the space of a couple of weeks, there's already so much heat there. It's already quite personal. So I yeah man, I thoroughly enjoyed this match. Um, standard great takeover tag match. You know, like it's becoming. As a norm now, uh, where you get a great fire takeover match, uh, tag match. Um, yeah, I, I, I would like to see ultimately down further down the road. Though I would, I would, I'm on board for Pete Dunne versus Matt Riddle. Oh yes, oh yes. <laughs> like I don't oh, want to be like. Oh, so oh, he can say it, but I can. later, <laughs> later on. Like, okay. Okay. You know, not right away, but. You know, I don't want to be like, oh, let's hurry up and like split them up or whatever, um, because they've already shown that they're a really, really good um, tag team. And Clive, like you said, we did speak about this off air, where you say, is, is it just me or is it like, is Pete Dunne getting even better? I think, and I say this to you, is like, well, he's working with better people, so he might. Obviously, as soon as you start working with better people, you know, it's going to make you better, and she's already great. So being surrounded by people who are on like the same bar as him. You know, he's just going to put on fire match after fire match. Um, but yeah, fucking great match. Absolute great match. What I loved about it, about this pairing, is their tandem moves aren't very conventional when it comes to sort of tandem tag team moves. And specifically, there, I think it's a bro to sleep coupled with an insecurity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That looks as if your head explodes when that lands correctly. That is a devastating finisher for anyone to take. Man, you know, I've been, ever since you said it's something about Pete Dunne that's different, I've been trying to think what it is, and I think it finally hit me. And it's it, it may be partially what you're saying, Moosh, because Kyle O'Reilly is the best tag wrestler maybe of the past five years, easily. Anybody he tags with is a great tag team. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. Um, but you know what you know what it is? I think it is. Um, you guys may have watched him before because I know he did ICW and Progress and a lot of the British, UK, mm-hmm. European fans. But in, since he's been on WWE television, most of it's been a heel. And we cared about him. We had a reason to care about him as a heel because he was a piece of shit. Uh-huh. But as a face, we haven't had a reason to care about Pete Dunne. Like, there's no reason to really care about him other than, oh, he does great matches and he used to be a heel this one time. Matt Riddle gives us a reason to care about this dude because, like, he's the straight man to Matt Riddle's comedy. He's the... He's the Hardy to the to Matt Riddle's Laurel, if I may have that wrong backwards, or he's the Danny Glover to Matt Riddle's Mel Gibson. There's 
maybe not Mel Gibson, but you get the point, mm-hmm. right? And so I think as a face, you have to have a reason to care about a guy beyond the fact that they can wrestle well. And now that we have a reason to care about Pete Dunne, the stuff that he's doing, which is genuinely the same stuff he's been doing the past five years, feels different. Mm-hmm. See as well, the Dusty Classic doesn't hold good memories for uh, Pete Dunne. Yeah. And look who he was facing in the final again. So there was this, and I can understand, I know I slagged you off for it, but I can understand where you would come from with Matt Riddle or someone turning heel on Pete Dunne. But although Matt Riddle is a, a joker and embarrasses Pete Dunne, there is, a, there is a genuine camaraderie there that Pete Dunne would not have felt worried. So he was probably coming out of his shell, he was more confident and that he had a, a partner who he could trust going into this and it came out, it came out in spades. That's a great point. There's a, there is an actual genuine chemistry there. It's, it's all sort of play acting, but you know what I mean? He's comfortable. Yeah, that's what it is. Though. Like they've gelled so well together, both in the ring and and, and out of the ring. Um, that season, it's just that it, it's simple because you've got a joker and you've got someone who's dead serious. And it's always like, well, the joker's going to try and break the guy's dead serious and break down those walls and get close to him, kind of thing. I think we all probably know someone like that or or been in that kind of relationship before, or at least saw it. Um, so yeah, it, it's quite a, for me. It's quite a simple storyline or a simple gimmick that they've got going on. Um, but it works. It just works. It works so well. Beautiful. They're explosive. I'd, I've sort of nurtured my tastes. And urgent and explosive wrestling is what I enjoy the most. And these two guys just bring it big time. Remember when you um, didn't, um, remember when you didn't really get the Matt Riddle hype. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I do remember that. Shout out, shout out to Rab Ropes who uh, saw the error in my ways in the future. Uh, Matt Riddle, fantastic, and he, he annoys he annoys people. He annoys Goldberg, and I think Randy Orton was probably just working, but no, definitely good for him. And 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 by the way, I would have Pete Dunne turn on Matt Riddle, not the other way around. Not, yeah, not yet. Not yet, not yet, not yet. Come on, man. Tell me Matt Riddle versus Pete Dunne in a street fight and take over Tampa wouldn't steal the, steal the weekend damn near. I know, but... See, I would wait until the SummerSlam takeover. Okay. When I started coming round on Matt Riddle was during his Velveteen Dream match and he showed, a heelish, he showed heelish tendencies. He was getting pissed off with Dream and he was getting a bit temperamental. And it was like, oh wow, he he is actually more than just the stoner, the strong stoner. So I would I wouldn't mind seeing Matt Riddle as a heel. I think it would be quite interesting to watch. It's funny because I thought Dream was going to attack him after the match. Mm. Oh, sorry, Riddle was going to attack Dream after <laughs> it the match. Like it, yeah. yeah, so did yeah. I. That was a fascinating match. That was good. Really, I really liked Dream's run as the NA champ. Shout, shout out to Dream's current work on Twitter. Though. <laughs> oh. I Brutal. Oh boy! And you, you know what? It, it's it's dreams really got to be like next level, like creepy, creepy bad to get us to forget the fact that they literally tried to break his back like a few months ago. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but we forget all that. All we can say is 
Roddy better bring a gun or something. Like, wow. <laughs> we forgot they almost killed this man three months ago. It's, it's, it's predatorial. It's quite dodgy, but uh, Velveteen's all about the shock factor. See, I, found, I just find it hilarious that he's following one person and it's Roddy's wife. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, he's going to get arrested, isn't he? <laughs> Oh, this main event. Right, you guys go for it for this one for a bit, because this one in particular has, bizarrely, even though this has been the case in NXT for over a year now, years, uh, and there's also the case for the, especially the tag team scene in AEW, but it's been under a lot of scrutiny and, uh, what's the word? Criticism. Because of the sort of false yeah. finish behaviour, but on you go. Like the match itself was great. I I don't like the the next spot on the table. Oh, like come on! Like I damn, I thought he, in the match against Mustache Mountain at Worlds Collide. At one point, I think it was the end. He was kind of holding his neck, and I'm like, "Fuck! Are you just selling, or are you legit hurt?" Because then yeah. even it looked like Gargano kind of like looked at him and went over to him to see if he was all right, and I was like, just "Stop with the neck bumps, like the neck spots for Champa. That was difficult to watch, very difficult to watch." Um, match itself was fucking fire. Um, again, Rance touched on it earlier. Like, you probably don't need that final seven or eight minutes. It, it's it's a recurring theme now. There's a, there's a a dodgy falls, fucking the finish of what you want to say at, at the end. Um, I'm so not here for her Champa and Gargano though. Um, I will watch that shit. I will enjoy the matches. <laughs> you know, so it's contradictive what I'm saying. And I suppose but damn, I don't want it. Yeah, the only the only thing about it, I suppose, is guess it's a, it's a, the wrinkle is that Champa's a face and Gargano's a heel this time around. Um, it still feels very raw. Like it feels like we just finished that feud. Uh, don't, I say, don't get me wrong, the match are going to be great, but I'm just not sure if I'm ready for it or, or I'm here for that feud again. Um, is it my turn? Do I go or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So as as has become my Twitter trademark. <sighs> Sign. All right. Um. So I'm about to I'm about to tear this apart <sighs> negatively, but let me start off by saying that there was no match if you believe in bullshit star ratings. Every match in the car was four match four stars plus. Like they were all that good. So this was a great match. I'm just about to destroy it from perspectives in which don't make sense to me. Um, I first and foremost, I think, and the NXT main event style has overstayed its welcome. I think because there's a time and a place for thirty minute, forty minute matches. There's absolutely. But every single one, every single main event doesn't have to be that length. 
and every single one doesn't have to be that length with that many finisher kickouts or false finishes. It, it just gets draining and tiring when you can tell the story 15 minutes shorter. As you said, to take seven minutes out that match, it's almost perfect, right? Um, but the three guys that are involved in particular, Adam Cole, Johnny Gargano, and Tommaso Ciampa, I think this is the one problem <clears throat> with NXT becoming a third brand and and like Ciampa and Gargano in particular not wanting to leave. What else can they do? You can't have a takeover feud with Johnny Gargano and Conor Reeves, oh, right? How not? Like, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm down. Uh, <laughs> I would love it. I, yeah, cocaine Conor Reeves, baby, let's go. Uh, but I'm, but they're at a, at a level now where they either need to move on, or, you know, like they 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 can't do anything else but stay in the same space that they're in. And I think Adam Cole, has, even though he's been a great champion, has reached the end of his. I think it's time for him to drop the belt at this point because like it's not interesting anymore. It's the same guys and the same formula. I wrestle a great match, false finisher, false finisher, false finisher, and uh, and then Elspeth Era comes out, then all this nonsense, and then I win sneakily. It's the same thing, and it's getting a little tired. Um, I just... And then the whole Gargano Champa thing, I was so against, but I think you talked me off the ledge, uh, and I'll let you explain that a little better. Uh, Clive, but this match, man, this match, it was was great from an in-ring standpoint, but so much of the extra stuff just made it so annoyingly not bad, but oh, like, I I mean, is is there a word that I'm trying to describe? I mean, did you feel the same way? Right. To answer a few of your points, there is a there is a time and a place for the thirty five minute epics, and personally, I'm happy with them being that length uh, because they only happen what four or five times a year. These main events, okay, you've got UK takeovers into the mix now. I, I don't mind the length of some matches, and this one was one of them. It didn't come out. It didn't feel that long to me. Okay. With regards to all the false finishes and the work rate side of things, like the sort of PWG style of wrestling, Adam Cole is a common denominator in that stuff there. In fact, all three of them are. They're all guilty of it. My mm-hmm. issue with Johnny Gargano matches is that he comes across as just like this perfect wrestling robot. He can do all these moves. He's fantastic, but it just does them. There's no, there's nothing to sort of grip onto there. Whereas with Champa, we, you and I talk about him regularly and how we are of the opinion that he's, he is the greatest sports sports entertainer. Maybe not in history, but currently. And his wrestling style, it's in his own. It's in the lyrics of his own song. No one will survive, and he means he includes himself in that as well because he wrestles a style <laughs> where he wants to kill himself as well as his opponent. And yeah. Kamikaze style. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly Kamikaze style. So, for him to want to 
destroy himself in the process. That gives his matches over Gargano's more of a sort of not scary. That's not the right word, but a sort of stressful watch. Especially, Frightening. yeah, especially when he's taking bumps on the table, especially when he's taking Panama sunrises onto the the floor. Oh boy! Oh boy! Yeah. <laughs> um, and don't get me started on the war games bump. That was mental. But he's just and they're and these are safe bumps, but they're just so dangerously I safe. I know the table one was bad. Um, but the way he sprinted, no signs of any ankle injury at all, as he sprinted probably faster than Usain Bolt to do the, the running niece, I know that's not the name, but running niece finisher, and kissed the, yeah. the fellow bald man in the head. That was a great moment for that fan. Uh, the match was great. <laughs> I, I loved the match. It's at times where I can sort of put, put aside the selling stuff, just because I'm enjoying it so much. As it stands, I am not tired of the Canadian Destroyer. I could watch, I've happily watched Canadian Destroyers. Destroyers. A sort of comical. Really? So far. I might tire of them soon, but I enjoy them so far. Um, the bit where Champa was in the sort of crossface, uh, but then he reversed it and had to bring his dead arm over to lock it in himself onto Cole. With that, that man. That was excellent. And. So from that side of things, loved it. I was just I was sports entertained basically. And then, do you think it's a case of them being too smart for their own damn good? Because they're like genius level wrestlers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I think Champa is a genius, more so than Cole. Cole is just a sort of PWG guy through and through, personally. Okay. Um, Champa, we've teased this. We're going to talk about Champa long, long style soon. Um, but then the Undisputed Era, I'm not going to go into too much detail because I've actually written a column this week which will drop on Thursday on the brand extension part of Lords of Pain. Rance, Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Champa, I have done a 180. A complete 180. I was sick of it. Uh, I was not, not, not a fan of the Mustache Mountain match. I hated it. But, mm. but the when Undisputed Era rushed the ring on Sunday night, I thought this is exactly like Takeover New York. When they rushed the ring, and Gargano was picking them off one by one, and it's like he's going to win this. You could tell, and you started to feel that with Champion. I thought this is too close to home for that match. And then Gargano comes out, puts a stop to it, hits Champion with a belt. I thought that was excellent. Gargano saw history repeating itself, except it would be repeating itself for the man who cost Champ, uh, cost Gargano so much misery and hell and pain and probably sleeping on the couch for a few weeks as well. <laughs> so from that side of things, this is for me is a long, long story arc and I'm here for it because I was a big fan of Gargano as a heel. Remember the whole Alistair Black stuff? thought that was sensational. And Champa, as you've said, has not changed his side of things. Sorry, I should have said, um, Ricky's had to step off the show. One of the kids has woken up, so he's had to go. So, Ricky, thanks you for all listening. So, But we'll see, speak to him next week. Cheers, Ricky. <laughs> Where was I? <laughs> um, this, what we thought was just the, their story was told, that was just the first half. The moral alignment has reversed. But Champa is still the same person he always was, the same self-destructive kamikaze 
evil psychopath, the psycho killer, and I'm ready to take and that ride once again. So when you text me this, and if, for a little inside baseball for those of you listening, I had to push Clive to write this column. Because he sent me almost 200 words of like the most poetic, beautiful <laughs> description of why this made sense. And I was like, wait, what? And like it talked me off the ledge because I was really upset. Um, and, you know, I'm an NXT stan. So like I was really just like yeah. disgruntled and disappointed and not excited about the future. And you sent me this and made me rethink my whole reasoning. And so with everything you're saying, um, no, it doesn't make perfect sense, but Ciampa keeps talking about he wants his life back. Gargano's not ready for him to have the life back because that, him having that life back means Gargano can't have that set in the life that he had. Mm-hmm. And go even deeper, if you remember the reason that uh, Ciampa turned on Gargano in the first place was because he knew he was hurt. And he knew the crowd would forget about him because they loved Johnny more than him. They never truly loved him. Now the crowd truly loves him, mm. and Gargano can't handle it. Oh, Rance, Ray, Raymond. <laughs> it's beautiful. Especially, and then it's not, it's, I meant to text you this the other day, but there's no, there's, like, it's not a coincidence. Gargano tweeting out the old heel version of his logo. Yes. And I, I said, Remember? you like, it don't mean shit. But there's a reason he wore that and then got destroyed by Finn. Mm-hmm. Foreshadowing. Because he knew in the back of his mind, I I can't really focus on this because, like, Ciampa can't win. Mm-hmm. See, so, see, when Gargano was on the rise, ready to face Almas... Trampa was forgotten about entirely at that point. Yep. Yep. Uh, yep. And what's been happening the last couple of months, Gargano's been injured and he's in a sort of I wasn't that bothered about this Finn Balor match. He was in the he Gargano was an afterthought while Trampa was on the rise. It's hey, mirrors go, mirrors go, all the way. Go deeper, Clive. Go deeper. So Gargano got hurt before they went into war games. Mm-hmm. Right, not only did Champa wear fly the flag of of good against the evil undisputed error, but he flew the flag of NXT against the WWE against Raw SmackDown. He was the captain of Team NXT. He was the guy that they put in front to to you know we, we're going to put Reigns in front. We're going to put. Um, Seth Rollins in front. Well, we got Tommaso Ciampa. Who calls himself Mr. EX, Mr. NXT? Johnny. Johnny Gargano couldn't do it, but who could? Mm-hmm. Oh, and, oh, oh, oh. and to go one, just one further, I'm kind of spoiling this column here now, but Gargano cost Alistair Black the title with a belt shot. Oh, God. And his life was ruined there in, like, from that, and Ciampa became the king. What did Gargano do this week to make sure that Champa did not become the king? I bet you know your new your new nickname is the Bard because you just <laughs> speak in poems. Well, I write, like, I write better. Is, I write better than I speak, but yes. Tell me, okay, it's 
It's got that PWG indie mania wrestling style. But the story that has been told with these guys is top notch. And that's why I am all for this food continuing. So here's my only issue and my only question. I can I can understand wanting to finish a story that was never finished a year ago now. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I can I can respect that. I can respect that Gargano never wants to leave. Ciampa said he'll retire if he has to leave and all this stuff. I can get them coming to a final conclusion. Hell in a cell, falls caught anywhere, something crazy. I can I'm down with that. The Wednesday after takeover Tampa, are we still having these two feud? Or are we done? Because I don't want to see these two around each other anymore for a while. And that's why I was so happy they made up. Because they're cool now. They ain't got to be in the same space. But now, like, I, I just... NXT is such a great program. But the quality of the show is almost... It hasn't been hurt yet, but it's on the precipice of being affected if all we're going to continue to see is Gargano Ciampa taking up two segments and Cole hogging the belt. And and I'm a huge fan of all three of these people, but like we need... Why do we love the Keith Lee match so much? Because it was a great match with two people who don't get that opportunity. Yes. Rhea versus Bianca. It was a great match between two people who don't get that opportunity. Like, that's why it's so beautiful. That's why we popped so hard for Matt Riddle and Pete Dunne, because Red Dragon has held the titles practically for the past three years. Mm -hmm. But now, like, the top of the card is basically the same. So where's Dream going to go? Where's... Go lower on the card than that. Where's Damian Priest going to go? Or Killian Dane? Or Cameron Grimes? Or Kushida? Kushida is a huge signing and hasn't had a one takeover match. Like, but they can't do anything because we're spending so much time focused on Adam Cole and the Undisputed Era taking over and controlling the company and Gargano Ciampa uh, version 17.6 or whatever it is now. Well, you're right. I mean, we are recording this before the first Wednesday after Portland, so we might we might end up getting a triple threat between the three at WrestleMania, uh, WrestleMania weekend: Cole, Gargano, and Champa. That is possible. Oh I, shit! I didn't even think about that. Damn. Is that just me? <laughs> I didn't even think about that. The, I, the, I even think that here we go again. I think that Cole's <laughs> going to drop the title before then on TV. Oh, of course you do. Of course you do. <laughs> And it'll be it'll be a, a random match with Gargano because Champa Champa has taken a Twitter blackout. Champa won't be on TV for a while, I imagine. So Gargano's going to ask for a match, and he'll get it, and he'll win the title, like on a random TV episode. So you're going into WrestleMania season. It shouldn't be called this anymore, but call-up season. Roderick Strong no longer holds the North American title. Uh, Red Dragon do not hold the tag titles, and Cole does not. Soon possibly have the world title. They're going to Raw SmackDown after WrestleMania. It's time. It is time. It's absolutely time. Yes, it's absolutely time. And there's so much talent underneath them. It's ready. Oh, the the mid cards. The mid cards stronger than uh, Cesaro and Roderick Strong's love child. Oh, (laughs) that's a strong ass baby. (laughs) (laughs) That's a strong ass baby. Um, 
Yeah, man. I just, you know, and this isn't just an NXT problem. All of the shows have this issue. The inner circle takes up too much of AEW. Uh, you could argue that the Monday that the the disciples and the Monday Night Messiah versus the New Revolution, whatever you want to call them, take up too much time on Raw. Like you can talk, you can say that the King's Court versus the Bloodline takes up too much time on SmackDown. This isn't just an NXT thing. The difference is that Adam Cole, Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa, in general, those three guys, and throw in Roddy, Kyle, and Bobby have controlled and been at the top of every division, male division, in that brand for three years. Three years. I don't think it's ever been a chore, though, but it still is time. It hasn't been a chore because they're that talented. Mm -hmm. But here's the point. I shouldn't think about that. I know. Like with Shayna. The reason we knew it was time for Shannon to drop the belt was because we were like, damn, Shannon's had the belt for a year and a half. It's yep. a long time. That's the reason why it was time. Like when you, like with Oscar. Did during that entire time did you ever did it ever cross your mind she held the belt for over a year? It did. Uh I was not amused when Ember Moon didn't beat her. Especially the second okay. time. That's uh, fair. That's fair. She she should have won, you're right. Uh but that, I think that's the that's the marker for me with title matches, mm-hmm. with title title reigns is the longer the the longer you hold it, the more I forget how long you've held it, or it becomes it's not an it's not an important part of the conversation. Mm-hmm. You're doing you're you're doing your job with the reign. The second I start thinking, man, you've held this for a long time, it's time for that thing to go. Yeah. So, looks like NXT could. Be in a, a another state of flux or state of change, sorry, going forward. But overall, thoroughly enjoyed the evening's events. Um, Gargano Champa, here we go, ladies and gents. Oh, and and I, I want to say, going into NXT Wednesday night, it's a huge match. It's a huge night for them because tonight in AEW is the Cody versus Wardlow match. Is the Moxley versus Jeff Cobb match? Is the Lucha Brothers versus Omega and Hangman for the type tag titles? And they're in the the big arena in Atlanta, the basketball arena in Atlanta. So like this is huge for NXT. Not even talking about ratings. I'm just talking about keeping people interested because mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know post shows are normal. Post shows are normally the biggest pop rating wise of the month post-pay-per-view shows because you want to see what's going to happen after the pay-per-view, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, they they really got to hit a home run tonight. Well, they will because Jordan Devlin's on the show. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> you would have been very proud. I know you're a proud Scottish man, but on the bump today, Seamus was on and they were talking about the history of great Irish wrestlers and they put up this uh, kind of like dynasty picture. I saw that. And it was yeah. Fit Fit, yeah, Fit Finley, Seamus, Finn, Becky, and your boy Jordan Devlin was at the end. And I, I thought about you. Ah, Jordan. Looking forward to that match. Um, right, due to the interview earlier, this is close to becoming a, a two hour episode. Not done that for a long time. So, how about we, we do a close in classic fashion with a quiz? Let's, let's do it. 
It's fucking quiz time with Ricky and Ray as in Mysterio. And Ricky's not even here. I should have just spliced in the the jingle itself. A fucking WWE quiz. Dun, dun, dun. Right. Well done. Well done. So, uh, with with us having Gary Cassidy on earlier and him making a right good name for himself based off the the BT Sports tour bus he was on, uh, the quest these questions are surrounding the wrestlers who were on that tour bus and the sort of interviews that he had with them. Okay. okay. So, ten questions. Number one: How many times has Paige been the Divas Champion? Two. Correct. Sheamus holds the record as having the shortest match at WrestleMania. Is this true or false? False. What's the correct answer? It's Kane and Chavo Guerrero. It's not, but that wasn't... You still get the point. It was uh, The Rock and Eric Rowan. Oh, so I forgot that happened. I was there. I was there for that. Six seconds. Yeah, I, I was there for that. I should have remembered that. But yeah, his actually his last match as a WWE wrestler. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's the rock that's in Rowan's cage. <laughs> Did you see the memes about people saying it's Shayna that was in the cage? <laughs> <laughs> uh, number three, Kurt Angle held more main event singles titles in which company and by how many? So WWE or TNA? Well, the answer is TNA for sure, but it's by. By two. He held six apiece. Damn. So there were six in TNA. Uh, World champ a couple of times, more than he was WWF champ, I think. But there's also the time when he was a WCW champion. Mm -hmm. And he was World Everywhere champ a couple Mm of times. Number four. How many takeovers did Andrade Almas wrestle on the main card of takeover? How many times was... Almas on the main card of TakeOver. Oh, okay. He debuted against Ty Dillinger. Mm-hmm. The next time he fought against Roddy. Then, uh, that was in San Antonio. Uh, then it's the Gargano match. There's the McIntyre match. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say... It's five or six. I'm going to say six. A staggering eight. So eight. you had Ty Dillinger, and it was Bobby Roode first. Bobby Roode, that's right. I, I thought it was, yes, Bobby Roode first, and then he did the match with Roddy. And then he yeah, did the match right. with Roddy, and he actually already wrestled Alistair Black a year prior, I think. Uh, then Johnny Gargano, as we know. Then Drew McIntyre. Oh, well, Alistair beat, Alistair beat him for the title. Yep. And then Alistair Black. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It was actually two times he fought Gargano. He, they fought four times. So, so that, yeah. That's nine then. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Because the, the first time was at a random match one week, and then it was for the title. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's right. Yeah. How, number five, how many NXT Women's Championship matches has Nikki Cross competed in? 
it doesn't matter if it's takeover or not, right? Just in general? Yeah, just in general. So there's the match against Oscar. What a match. <laughs> yeah, I, I know you'd talk about that. That's like one of your favorite matches. That is, as so as. Um, there's the Fatal 4-Way uh, that Ember won after Asuka finally retired. Three, and then the one against Shayna. So it's three. Correct, well done. Um, Charlotte Flair has held which title more? The Raw Women's or the SmackDown Women's Championship? Well, fuck, she's... Damn, they're, they're like tattooed on her, on her belt, on her stomach, so... Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, we're gonna go with SmackDown, because she was there longer. Well done. Five to four, that one. Out of Cain Velasquez's 17 MMA fights... How how many did he win by total knockout? Oh, uh, it wasn't as many as you think because he was a wrestler. So he was a ground and pound guy. So um, I'm going to go with nine. I can't. I think it might have been Bellator that was on. This was 12, apparently. Oh, see, I didn't follow him in Bellator. I just know UFC. So that's fair. That might be right. Yeah. But I'm not, might be. It's, it's, I'm sure it's right. Mm. What was Triple H's name in WCW? John Paul Levesque. There was also another name beforehand. Oh, the original Terrorizing? Terrorizing, yep. <laughs> uh, Such a terrible I name. Know, it's brutal. <laughs> Number nine. Ric Flair retired from WWE in 2008. Who was his opponent in his first televised singles match in TNA? Would you like a... He only wrestled... He's going to a TNA shit. He only wrestled <laughs> a few matches there because he was so ashamed to wrestle after he promised Shawnee wouldn't. Will I give you a clue? So, give me a clue because I'm between two people. This person works for WWE in some capacity. Okay. Currently. Yeah, so I'm going to say Hogan. Incorrect. Who were your other two? Well, Jay Lethal was one of them because I know they had that mm-hmm. amazing promo battle. Um, and uh, Foley, probably the other. According to the very reliable source Wikipedia, his first yeah. singles, he was in loads of tag matches, but his first singles match was with Abyss. That's random as fuck. I mean, he had a match with Hogan in Australia before all this, but that was yeah. that was the tour thing. Yeah. And number 10, last question. How much fish could Bobby Fish fry if Bobby Fish could fry fish? So I've really thought about this question. Like I really, like really, really internalized and tried to come up with the correct answer. My answer is is 47. Oh, it's 48. Unlucky. Damn. Oh. I'll do better next time. You did well. You did very thank well. You. Uh, Rance, thank you for coming on tonight. That was a good chat about TakeOver. Thank you for having me, man. I'm I'm sorry to keep kind of bum-rushing my ass on the show, but <laughs> I'm never off at this time, so... Happy to have you on. It was just, we had to delay it a wee bit tonight with the, the Gary Cassidy interview, but I'm glad we got you on eventually. And for the first time in quite a while as well. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like we're I feel like we're a family again. Aww. Two plus one is three. Three <laughs> is family. There you go. 
Uh, do you want to drop your deets? <laughs> um, sure. You could find me at what's Gary Cassidy's Twitter? <laughs> at Conscious Gary. You can find me at Conscious. No, you. You can find me at uh, It's Ray Cash R E Y S and Mysterio C A S H S in dollars. Of course, I am one half of the currently on hiatus, but soon to be this week tomorrow. Wise back at it outsiders edge show at outsiders edge cs we are proud members of the chair shot radio network which is in conjunction with e-wrestling news where you always use your head and uh my favorite wrestling show is the ricky and clive show yay likewise sir smcu is great smc though really is where we're going (laughs) you know i've got love for the edge don't call me by my slave name, sir. Okay? Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, this has been a jam-packed double bill episode of the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show, only on the Social Suplex Podcast Network, where you can find other shows such as One Nation Radio, Keeping It Strong Style, Grown Men Watch This Shit, Get In The Ring, and All Things Elite. Uh, you can get... If you wanted to, you can donate money to the show through the show notes. There's a link on the, the sort of paragraphs that you get when you download the podcasts. Uh, you can also go to prowrestlingtees.net for Social Suplex t-shirts. Um, so help us become podcasting house husbands if you can. If you want us to reach more people, help the algorithms out. Go over to your podcast app of choice. I believe Apple is the best one for that. Give us a nice five-star review. Go to socialsuplex.com where you can get the podcasts and columns sent directly to your email inbox by pressing the subscribe button. As I said earlier, my latest column will drop on Lords of Pain at some point on Thursday. Um, The Wrestling Squared Circle Facebook group, type in the Wrestling Squared Circle and you'll find us there. And we are at Ricky and Clive on Twitter. So before we go, I found out what was on the... The note if there was any complications in Tommaso Champa's surgery. Uh oh. If there was any complications, it say like it was asked, "Do you want people like the DNR thing?" Mhm. And he just wrote, "No one will revive." Oh boy! Oh, <laughs> oh god! Why would you do that when when Rick isn't here? Why would you do that? Like, I need Rick to be here to see his face, right? <laughs> oh, man, I've missed I've missed the Ricky and Clive. I've missed the Clive joke in, li- in live in person so bad. Oh, no one will revive. That's, that's, oh, <sighs> What can I say <laughs> except you're welcome? <laughs> hey, I'm good. That's, that's all I needed for the rest of the week. I appreciate it. That's what I needed. Excellent. Right, ladies and gents, thanks for listening and we'll speak to you next week. Thank you for listening to the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Podcast. We'll see you next time. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets 
if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older. But Mini Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. 